So welcome back to the Double Technical Podcast. This is episode seven. A bit different today. Only me and Jack are here, but we are joined by Dane Moore, host of the Dane Moore NBA podcast and writer of Bring Me the News. Is that correct? It is correct. Yes, yes. Thanks for having me, guys. So Dane has, he's, he goes in-depth coverage of the Wolves. He's at nearly every single home game, has gone on. Um, he's, he has done away games, too, uh, and just really goes extensively in covering the Wolves. And he's one of the best in the business, in my opinion, just because of how in-depth he goes. Um, I, just listened to your, you. I just listened to your and Britt's podcast you did on Wednesday, your episode, um, kind of the state of the Wolves after this All-Star break. And that's what I, that's what I kind of want to start with, is just what do you what what are your concerns or your hopes as they enter this five or six game stretch where they could easily go five and zero. Yeah, I think it's a time for Wolves fans to be hopeful. I mean, there's they've kind of made it through the wilderness of a of a difficult run in the schedule, and now this is kind of like this is kind of your opportunity to make a push here, where. You know, you have five easy games here coming up, and you kind of need to to make up, you know, three, four games here on, on Dallas and Denver. So I think it's, um, yeah, I think for Wolves fans, it's a time to be hopeful that, like, a strong playoff push could, could happen here. That's right. And, like, you and Britt have talked about the, the last, like, two or three episodes that you've done with him. You've talked about whether you want – to get the sixth seed or stay with the seventh. And I thought that's really interesting because now, like you said in the last episode, um, the Grizzlies have moved into the second seed um, ahead of the Warriors. Yeah, something's close, right? I'm not sure if it, exactly where it is, but it certainly could be yeah. Memphis at the two now instead of the three, which, yeah, totally changes up the whole equation. Yeah, exactly. And what what is your whole opinion on that? Do you still, no matter who's in that, third seed or second seed, do you still push for the sixth seed and avoid the plane completely, or do you kind of play the chess match there? Yeah, I think you got to probably just skip the play-in. I mean, you don't want to... I think it just would be really... For this Timberwolves team, I think it would be really valuable to get an actual playoff series. Um, and, you know, you, you're going to get that if you get out of the play-in one way or the other. I think... Um, I think you really want to get a real playoff series, and then if you can, then you want to play Memphis because I think you're going to end up having a much closer series if, if that's the case. And actually, like a real, I think Memphis would, you know, probably still win that, but it's at least it's at least a a series where I don't think you expect. Like if it was Phoenix, you know, they go into Phoenix and it's probably four or five games max, like. The Memphis series, I think, would even if they lost, it would really be a positive experience for for the core of this group. Show Anthony Edwards, I think, particularly what a playoff series looks like, and and it really give you something to build off of. I think going into the summer, I'm thinking about how you need to adjust the roster and kind of show you, yeah, how far away are you from you know the next good Timberwolves team, right? That mm-hmm. that's kind of what I feel like they're figuring out right now in a playoff series go a long way in in showing that yeah and figuring out who who is a playoff kind of player we always see those of really good sure. teams they have bench guys and role players who step up or the other way or yeah or, or the other way so like, there could yeah, always be that cut it 
Exactly. So as the season progresses, this Anthony Edwards, like you mentioned, getting him kind of in the playoffs and experiencing in playoff series, he's in an interesting spot right now where he's hurt and they're going to be kind of resting him here. He's out for tonight, they already said, which I was kind of surprised, but now that I get it, they're on the front end of a back-to-back and they have to fly back to Minneapolis tonight anyway, so it just doesn't make sense to bring him down there. Um, But it's something to watch, right? And how do you think that affects the playoff chances slash how he's going to be playing in the playoffs? Right. Well, so we're recording this on Friday morning, so we've only seen the the one Golden State game. And, you know, I'm not saying Anthony Edwards being out uh, is, is why they won the game, but they didn't really seem worse for the wear. I think, like, this roster is set up in a way to take an Anthony Edwards injury better than it would a cat injury or a D'Angelo Russell injury. I think there's just kind of more wings on this team that you can kind of plug in to, I don't know, fill that just with depth. So I think it's like not a five alarm fire if he's going to miss a a handful of games. Like, I don't know, if you told me Cat's going to miss five games, the next five games, and you're like, okay, I don't know if they're going to win any of them, you know? Uh, but with Ant, I don't think it's like that much much of an obstruction to to winning. Um, and and like I view it more of as a big picture thing. Like how 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 big of a deal is this? How long of it is this going to be a deal for? Because um, I think what we would all agree to take right now is it's like all right if we can just give him two weeks off, like take two weeks off and then come back a hundred percent. Unfortunately, it's kind of not an injury like that, as I understand it, where um, it's just going to kind of, like, pop back up. Like, it could – he's even talked about it, right, where it's like, oh, I felt terrible one day, and then the next day I feel all the way back, and then four or five days later he's talking about it again. It, I initially thought that that was Ant just being goofy, but I think that's – like not a doctor, but from what I've been able to dig into it, that it is just kind of one of those left patella tendinopathy, jumper's knee, it's just one of those type of injuries that kind of flares up, I guess. And kind of depends on what kind of athlete you are, and he is a high-flying exactly. type of athlete, so that's just going to, it happens with most guys that play like him. Um, right. So what have been the biggest surprises this year for the Wolves? Uh, I think I think the defense at the beginning of the season uh, it's funny now like they're I think they're like 15th or 16th on defense now and trending in the wrong direction so they'll probably you know finish like 18th or 19th or 20th in defense which I think is what most people would have actually predicted going into the year right like mm-hmm. oh maybe top 10 offense bottom 10 defense something like that and it's just been such a weird path to get there. They were awesome at defense at the beginning of the season. And horrible on and offense. It's just, and horrible on offense. Yeah, yeah. so it was weird. It was something it was that so the, the the roster was built out in the exact opposite way it played out. It, it's just weird. But, but yeah. now it's come back around and kind of like setting in. I, I don't know. I mean, you hear Carl and some of the other guys be like, oh, yeah, you know, 
we just need to get the defense back to where it was because we got the offense rolling. And you're just kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure both of those things can happen <laughs> simultaneously. Like, then that I don't quick, know. I think it's just, yeah, I think you just, for a lot of teams, you know, when you're just an awesome offensive team for a while, like you just you just check out at defense a little bit more. The, the the sense of urgency just just isn't there. Like if they didn't guard at the beginning of the year, like they knew they were getting beat by like 15, 20 points because they just didn't have the offense. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like got to learn your lesson or something, whatever it might be. But to eventually be the team they want to be, to be the Phoenix Suns, right? Like I think Phoenix is the only team in the league that has a top five offense and a top five defense. Um, you kind of have to take both sides serious every single game, mm-hmm. right? Like, and and I think that's a way that this Wolves team still shows its immaturity, and it is still a, a young team, so I get that too. Yeah, and they're like what, the fourth or fifth youngest team in the league, so it, it, that... I never like... know how they do those stats. I feel like, you know, <laughs> if you have like one old guy at the end of your bench, like some... Shane Battier or something, then it like drives up your whole average age of your team. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, like uh, look at look at UD in Miami. Exactly. He just doesn't yeah, play. He plays... <laughs> I don't know like what that guy's day to day. I don't know if that yeah. guy even practices or if he just yells at young guys the whole time. But he just just yells there, and runs around sometimes. Exactly. Um, so I have kind of a section here of team awards and yeah. of like. MVP, Rookie of the Year, obviously is tough. You have to go with Leo on that. But, um, like, DPOY, there, there's a very good argument for that, for, like, the Jared Vanderbilt and the Patrick Beverly of the world. Sure. But let's start with MVP, and I'll, I'm just going to go out and say, I would assume you're going to say Cat, because it's obvious. Yeah. But why would yeah. it be Cat? Because we saw him with his stray voltage at the beginning of the year, and how it... <laughs> that was the most frustrating thing in the world to watch as a Wolves fan was him just getting completely do you in his feel head. Like, do you feel like the frustration level with that as a Wolves fan, like you said, is down at all? Like, do you feel like it feels very different now than it did at the beginning of the season? I don't think it's catastrophically different. I think it's just, you know, earlier in the season, you and Britt, you talked about how it's been seven seasons and we haven't seen anything change. He's always kind of been that same guy. And it, his post-game press conferences are like, it's all on me. I have to be better. I have to be better or something like that. But mm-hmm. nothing really changes. But I think we're starting to see a little bit. Like, he's, sure. still, he's still yelling foul after every marginal call. I mean, you can hear it every mm-hmm. single game and pluck out seven different times. Yeah. But I think that he's kind of accepted the fact yeah. that he's not – getting those Embiid calls a little bit more. I think it's, I think that there's been a real change over the past like two months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a lot of different things. I think it's one, it's obviously just winning more. Um, but I've been pretty interested with Cat over the course of the year to like watch him become increasingly comfortable, which is like all of it, you know? I, I came into this season you know, wondering maybe if this will be the last cat season. Um, this, that, that happens all the time across the league. Like, a star player gets to be 27, 28 years old, and it's like, it's time to move on. Like, 
I would have got, I would have understood if that was what Cat wanted, right? Mm-hmm. Just given what he's what he's gone through. And and now I like. I'm not saying he for sure is going to be here or a wolf forever, but like, he feels. To me, in just the conversation I've, I've had with interactions I have with them, it's like really increasingly comfortable here, um, and and in enjoying it, right? Which I've been here for a lot of other years that he hasn't, you know, enjoyed. So I, I think I think that's part of the reason he's the most valuable player on the team this year is is just that his head seems right as right as it can for, you know, him, he's still a little erratic, like you were saying, some of the the, the screaming and his head's all over the place sort of stuff. But and, it, and it's justified. It's definitely justified. Yeah. You When I watched that Philly and Wolves game last week, or no, it was this week, earlier this week or yeah. something like that, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> watching Embiid get to the line for some of the things that happen and then going down to the other end of the court and Cat is just getting murdered by Embiid and... Um, all yeah. those guys, it's just like, man, there's no consistency. But that's that's a whole other argument. But like you said, he's done a yeah, lot better I of just, keeping his I head. I don't know. I mean, he's got a – I'm with you. Like, the discrepancy is, particularly in that one game, or just Embiid the cat, is, is crazy. But, like, Embiid is using tactics to draw fouls. You know, he's ripping it. He's putting his arms out there through to rip through to get hands. You know, it's it's the things that Harden has been doing. It's the things that D'Lo is doing now. Like, Cat doesn't go to the basket with any foul drawing craft. He just goes to the basket, and he gets hit a lot. Right? Unfortunately, the guys who get to the foul line most are the guys who are being crafty about the way. That they draw a foul in that sort of in those sort of situations. So, I mean, do I think Cat gets a good whistle? No, but like in his head, and I think in the people around him, and I think in some people in the fan base, they think like the league is actually out to get him, or like that this is. It's like no, the NBA doesn't hate you. The NBA doesn't hate the Timberwolves, like. You do, I think, I think it would go a long way with Carl if he just, like, came to grips with, like, which maybe he is. Like, this is the way, these are the whistles I'm going to get, these are the whistles I'm not going to get. So, instead of letting myself get ramped up emotionally over that one I know I was already not going to get, like, just chill, you know? It's it's not like, again, I don't think Cat gets a good whistle, but you look at free throw totals, you look at things like that, he's going all, like, Cat gets a fine whistle, mm-hmm. and and I think he just needs to, you know, accept that because I, I I'm concerned with the rest of the season of like games where this team does stupid stuff in a game that ends up costing them a game that or let alone in a playoff series. Like if Cat loses his head in one of these final 19 games of the season, that's a loss. If Cat loses his head in a playoff game, that's a loss. You know, it's the it's the same stuff. It's like with the if they don't come out to defend at all in one game, you're gonna lose. Like your margin for error is small on this team. So I just don't I don't like that they brought in this extra variable of like you know, we're screwed by the refs. Like cat actually came over to me during the game after Jaden got that foul 
Um, it was a terrible call. They, they totally missed it. But he comes up to me and he goes, Dean, so we're not complaining about nothing. It's like, because the review was like, was up there and Jaden clearly didn't follow him. But I'm just like, I don't know, man. Yeah, you're right. Like, that's the wrong call. But they're going to make another wrong call on the other side. We just like compartmentalize refereeing stuff in piles that like help us. We, you know we put I mean? our we put our blinders on. Every time, yeah, we put we our blinders every on. Every time we had something agreed that like something went wrong against us, we don't tally the times that like oh actually I stepped out of bounds there, you know, mm-hmm. and didn't call it. So I, it's just man, I've just had too much of it with Cat over the years with that. I'm like you just got to, which I do think he's doing. Like just chill, mm-hmm. just play, just play the game, and you know have a little flare up here and there. But like you I, you described it, you're like. He yells foul after every shot he takes. That's probably too much. Yep. Exactly. So, yeah. I mean, love Cat to death, but there's there's obviously some yeah. issues that he's kind of like Patrick Beverly said earlier this season. I'll win you games and I'll lose you games. And Cat yeah. loses his games with his head sometimes, like the Pelicans games and stuff like it's that. It's been a while. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, it's been a while been since he's done that. Uh, oh yeah, the Pelican. <laughs> I think of the um, Pelicans game because I went to the first one. It was the second game of the year. I went yeah. to that one, yeah. and Valanciunas was still kind of owning Cat, but luckily they had were, were playing defense. And then the second yeah. game was also, or the third game of the year was also against the Pelicans, and that's when Valanciunas won. Yeah. And Valanciunas really just kind of owned him. Yeah. 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 And they would have had no business being in that game if it wasn't for the 20-point 20, 20 third quarter from Ant or whatever. So. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I don't know why that one sticks out. So, I mean, that was just a really weird vibe in there because, like, all the fans started latching on to Cat's energy, but we're like, I'm not sure if this is, if he's actually right mm-hmm. here. Yeah, exactly. And that, know, that, hurts, that hurts the team, too. I mean... Like, uh-huh. I'm sure Cat loves the, you know, okay, the fans are backing me on this. I got, I got um, 15,000 people behind me watching me and, and agreeing with me. But the guys in stripes aren't agreeing with you, and they're right. So it's like, that's yeah. not what yeah. matters. So, I, yeah. Right. But, but like I said, Cat's definitely the MVP of the year. Let's move to yeah. uh, Defensive Player of the Year, because that's where I think it gets really interesting. Um, Pat Bev just tweeted after the Golden State game, yeah. <laughs> about how his resume's there, but he still gets no recognition. Right. What what do you what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think Patrick Beverly could be the defensive player of the year for the Timberwolves mm-hmm. without being the defensive player of the year in the league. I mean he's like I don't know. Pat Bat plays like twenty five minutes a night and he doesn't play every night. You're not gonna you know, you're not gonna win defensive player of the year in no. the NBA with with that. Um I feel like I, I would say Pat has been the the defensive player of the year for, for this team this year, but you know I I think the key isn't having an individual accolade type of season, right? Like his, the quality of his year coming through, like doing a lot of smaller things. Obviously the leadership part. I think he's actually expanded his offensive game more mm-hmm. since you know leaving the Clippers. He gets a little bit more freedom to do some some different things he isn't shooting the ball as good as he always has but but yeah like i don't know you're 33 34 years old you know you're not gonna it's not gonna be defensive player of the year in the in the league i, I don't know does he have a case like to make one of the two all defensive teams i haven't really 
look at it, but I don't know. Maybe that more if they would have stayed as a top ten defense for the whole season, that would then yeah. maybe then maybe we're talking about something else. Yeah. But the defense has the defense has fallen off a lot, you know, over the, the past couple months. But I think Patrick Beverly's been the best defensive player for this team mm-hmm. this year. But I would also like Cat deserves some credit on that side of the ball yes. this year too. Um I I, I don't know who I'd pick between him and Vando next. Um, just because obviously, you know, Vando's been really helpful there too. But the captain's super consistent um, defensively for this team. And I mean, how many other years have we been able to say that? Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. he, every year we've been saying he's the worst defend, defender on the team, which yeah, that's yeah, right, that right. that I don't agree with. I just think that he's the right. he's easy to mm-hmm. put that pin on because he's your star, and everyone expects the star right. to do everything right. Uh, right. So let, let's talk about that, Jared Vanderbilt, though. Probably one of my biggest surprises this year was the sure. resurgence and the birth of the next Dennis Rodman, per se. You yeah. know, like that's what that's what the fan base labeled him as in the first three months was yeah. the next Dennis Rodman. So yeah, it what, was. It was simple. I mean, the, how many other guys have ever, ever played like that? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not saying as good as Dennis Rodman, but like there's a way of Dennis Rodman and Jared Vanderbilt plays that way you mm-hmm. know yep and he, he's got that same attitude i mean i'm sure the bulls would love to have another dennis rodman in the mix someday oh, yeah, we got we got tristan thompson though so it's fine yeah that, that video of tristan thompson bricking those five floaters and in then, the row, he actually, then, he, then he turns around last night and makes a few of those that, it actually <laughs> paid off it actually paid off i almost wondered if he was missing him on purpose because he was oh, doing God. so bad but no the the bulls have been Let's talk about the Bulls a little bit, try to include you. They've been kind of – they were one of the more interesting teams coming into the season. Would you sure. Would you agree there in saying that they were the oh, team yeah. to kind of I mean, watch? Yeah, I think they're, they're, they continue to be that. I mean, that, they – I think of the Bulls, they weren't even a play-in team last year. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I don't know. I mean, just imagine from the Wolves' perspective if they had that type of ascension, like – Think if the Wolves were the one seed in the West next year. I mm-hmm. mean, that's that that's a, a, a crazy type of leap, and that's what the that's what the Bulls have done this year. I I think the DeRozan part of it just blows my mind. Like he's. Would you put him as an MVP candidate? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd I'd have like top five for sure. I mean, I would have impending it to beat and Jokic there, but. Um, yeah, I think in the next group, like probably after, you know, Giannis, I think then you have, then you have DeRozan there. I, you know, you gotta go kind of through and look at some of the numbers and stuff. But, but yeah, I, I always like, I always think of MVP candidates as like, they normally line up being the ones where when you turn on games over the course of the year, it's this guy that you see is consistently dominating. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think if Bead has consistently dominated this year, Jokic consistently dominates dominates this year, and DeRozan does too with 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 that team. It's it's they're, they're a cool store. They're like they are. And the Bulls are back. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and the and the whole rebirth of the mid range game too. I mean, everyone's looking at that and yeah. saying, "Man, this guy is taking like <laughs> one and a half threes per game," <laughs> and he's. Right. He had a stretch where he had like eight games in a row over 30 points. It's just crazy. Billy Donovan did the right thing in the season. He's like, I'm not going to change my offense 
for you to try and like fit into like how I'm going to do like threes and underneath the basket. He's like, the offense is going to fit around you. You're going to be our main bucket getter. You're going to get all your points mid range. That's how we're going to do it. And then we're going to spice in. We're going to bring in these three point shooters. I mean, Lonzo's out right now. Zach Levine, he's kind of been on and off the past few months. He's got a knee injury, kind of keep him out. Mm-hmm. But when you get like Lonzo Ball in there, when you get those three point shooters in there, that's what really ticks the offense to go up. And mm-hmm. it's just built around DeMar getting his shots up. He's getting his 25, 26 points a night. And then we're going to spice in the rest of the team, bring in the threes. And that's how he's doing it. And it's worked out really great so far. But it's. I like kinda, that Javante Green kid. I like Javante. I like Javante. He's like he's like he's only like six four and he's playing the four. He's playing power forward because he he he, he just Josh flies. Kogi, man. He just flies around. <laughs> he's got What's insane. What's his effective height? That's what I want. Yeah, I don't know. He, he he's a good player, but like for a playoff team, which I think the Bulls are gonna probably end up with three or four, you don't want him starting in a playoff mm-hmm. game. I don't think you want Javante mm-hmm. as your starting power forward, but we'll see how well Patrick Williams. Yeah. But they've been making it work. Yeah. And you were talking about Billy Donovan and how he's kind of adjusted to what his players are able to do. Same thing with Chris Finch we've seen here, right? How many adjustments have we seen from him? Let, let go to the coach of the year at Team Award. Like, I mean, obviously it's going to be him no matter what. But he's... No, Pablo Prigioni. Pablo Prigioni. Well, and you got Mike and Nori and his Noriisms at halftime. Uh, right. But Chris Finch... Really, he walked in last last February or a, over a year ago to a franchise in absolute shambles, and within the last year, he's become probably the most powerful guy within the whole organization. Would, would you agree mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, I mean, certainly he's certainly up there. It's it is it is it's probably good to reflect on how far it has come. And I, I think people who would be voting on actual actual coach of the year probably like forget the context in which Chris Finch was brought in. With, I mean, the Wolves were, as you said, they were burning. Mm-hmm. They were 7-24. and 24. Um, There was fighting going on within people in that organization I mean, and, and all this stuff. And Finch gets pulled in here. It ends up being a whole thing, jumping over David Vanderpool. Um, it was just all super messy, right? Like that time is a really dark time. Uh, and then I think, yeah, now literally 12 months later and 13 months later, uh, yeah, you, you have Chris Finch leading this team for sure to the playoffs. And I think even more importantly than that, like it, it feels like an organization that kind of has some direction. I, I feel like in the whole, the whole Rosa's regime, they were, had been like killing time to pick a direction. You know what I mean? Like he was trying to tank for a couple of years and then we're going to pick a direction. Um, so I feel like this team has really lacked any sort of direction since, you know, 2017, 18, when they made the playoffs. And it's kind of cool how Finch just made that happen. Mm-hmm. I think he made that happen with relationships. Um, the you know with the, the players on the team it doesn't he doesn't feel like when I do the interviews and stuff with him he doesn't feel like he's a new coach at all mm-hmm. like and and I think yeah that professional culture or culture of like some stability in the coaching ranks I think that's I think that's, that's huge for for this team for Cat um, 
fortunately, he seemed to get along well with D'Lo and Ant and all those sort of things. So I think that the personality and ability to connect part has been has been really big with him. Not then, obviously, the X's and O's, the defensive improvement, and I'll find in the offense. Like he just might be like he might be a all around really good coach. I said earlier in in December, if the Wolves get the sixth seed. I think he's got to be a top three candidate for coach of the year in the league. But then I, I I, think, I've thought I about it right more. Too. I just don't think I don't think he'll get. I don't think he'll like, get the case because context isn't looked at when it comes to that kind of stuff. Yeah, they'll look at yeah, the Grizzlies. Look at Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, Cleveland exactly with the yeah. how crazy good they're doing with losing. Yeah. you know their star star player or Ricky Billy Rubio. Donovan. I mean Billy Donovan. <laughs> Billy too. Donovan like, exactly. They just go. They just go like, how much did you exceed expectations? And and I feel like the Wolves have for sure exceeded expectations, but if your expectation was the eight seed and you got the six seed, nah, that doesn't like. Again, ignoring the context, I don't think people get that. But you look at Billy Donovan. If the if the Bulls finish first in the East, you know, or JV, what he's doing there, like, yeah, I, I don't think he will get it. But it's not like it's so bad to be fifth at Coach of the Year. Especially, like, I think especially a year a year prior, you were coming into a people were saying how this hire is controversial and everything like that, and that they they made the wrong yeah. move, and that's tough to continue to want to coach in right. an environment like that. And he took it and ran with it, man. And it, he just I I love him. I wouldn't want any other coach right now. I don't think because just because. Yeah. We have a sense of direction for the first time in how many years, finally. So, and we have an identity, yeah. and that's the biggest thing. I, I, I think too. Like you said, the most powerful guy in the organization. Like, I think Wolves fans better hope so, mm-hmm. um, because you know, I, I, I think it's very obvious to me what the best thing is for the future of the, this team. It's, it's to have Chris Finch in partnership with Sasha Gupta, who has a long-term relationship with, for those guys to collectively determine how to build out a roster through, like, Sasha's type of vision um, for, like, roster style, cap style, all those sort of things, with Finch's preferences for basketball style that I think those guys overlap on a lot. Um, I think that's what all Wolves fans should really want scary thing to me and I think a a decently likely proposition is that they try and bring in some big splashy name like the Utah Jazz just did with Danny Ainge and they kick Gupta out or you know he becomes the number two and doesn't want to do that so so now you have some Danny Ainge 2.0 running the Wolves and is Danny Ainge 2.0 going to be giving Chris Finch any say in this, or is he just going to build his roster? Like, I think, I think that's the scariest thing mm-hmm. about for Wolves fans. The, the immediate future of this team is is it's the scariest thing for the future of Timberwolves fans is that Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez haven't yet chosen who is going to be running basketball operations. Exactly. And yep. the scary part is they could pick somebody terrible. They could, they could, that's you, where they, we're going to learn if they're. Do you think they the would though? Because 
Because I yeah, think you I look think at Sachin and he's done. I mean, he he didn't make any moves at the deadline, and that's clearly what I think the smartest move was. And they've since the deadline, they've been playing really really good basketball. Well, not really good basketball, but they've been playing yeah. better than you know the last how many years of Timberwolves basketball. So, I th- I think, I think he deserves I think they will the job. Hold on to I think they will. I'm, I'm not like reporting anything. I know that's a possibility, and I know it's a possibility that he stays. I think. I think they will want to get a splashier name, to run the basketball operations, and I think that. I I hope that splashy name knows what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, and I hope it's not the Timberwolves version of Vlade Divac running basketball operations, like happened with Vivek in the Kings. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's a possibility too. We don't know anything about what these new owners, how they think, what they do. If anything, they've embraced the, yeah, we want to be splashy, we want to be this and that. And again, splash is not necessarily your splash of poison. It could be good. Mm -hmm. Um, We just have, we have no idea. And we know that neither of them have any background whatsoever in basketball, which means they don't even really have people in their life who they can talk to about basketball to, who know how building a team works, or the salary cap, all these sort of things. So I think not even that Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez are like bad guys or something. I think they just don't. It's like if you and I went and started to, we bought Uber. Mm-hmm. Like we would probably run that poorly initially mm-hmm. because we don't have any experience in that field. And I don't know anybody who has a lot of experience in tech that I can lean on to ask these sort of questions. Whoever Mark Laurie is leaning on to asking these sort of questions, that character is a very big character in the story because they're gonna determine the future of Sasha Gupta, we're gonna influence it, the future of Chris Finch, the future of the whole team. You have your best, your three best players are all up for 100, plus million dollar extensions in the next two years. So yeah, like, you, this is a critical time for yeah. the team. So what, what do you think happens? The show. What do you think happens with this, like, you know, D'Lo coming in saying it's a contract year for him, and, and then, you know, Cat, if he gets this third um, all-NBA team yeah. spot, I mean, they're, they're deserving of their contract, right? What do you think happens this offseason for the Wolves? Yeah, well, it's, I mean, the biggest one is Cat. Because if he if he gets all NBA, I think it's likely that he will well he can then eligible to sign a supermax extension four years two hundred million dollars. Um, I think if that opportunity presents itself, he will sign it, um, and then he'll be on the books for six more years because he has two more. There'd be two and then the four he's signing. So now you got cap long term that way. If cap doesn't make all NBA, that extension is not available. And now you're kind of in limbo until he becomes, you know, a, another year, uh, another year, another shot at the All NBA, those sort of things. You just kind of linger there, and I think it's a, uh, I think it's would be very tough if you're building this team out to. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sign anybody before I knew Cat. Like I, I think Dilo's having a good year. I'm open-minded to the idea that he could come back and be worth signing. I'm not signing D'Angelo Russell to an extension this mm-hmm. summer if I don't know, you know, if I don't know if Cat's going to be part of the picture. Like, 
So, yeah, there, there's a, there's going to be a ton of moving pieces this summer because, like, it's not just that. Presumably, they're going to be trying to have an off season where they make a, a jump, right? They're going to try and upgrade the Vanderbilt power forward position. They got first round pick. They got all their stuff. You know, they can. Like the team's going to change a lot this summer, I think, and in a lot of different ways, from the front office to the, the the top players to trades, the draft. Like this is a really important summer, in my opinion, and that's why I think it's pretty concerning that they don't have a, bas- a president president of basketball operations in place right now. You know, because. Someone's got to make those decisions. Uh, yeah. How willing do you think the Timberwolves, if they wanted a Supermax or Supermax Cat signed Elo to an extension, how willing do you think these new owners would want to flirt with the luxury tax then? Yeah, I think the rule always with the luxury tax is like if you're, you know, if you're a team or you can convince your owner that like we have our top four or five team in the league this year, like odds of winning the championship. Then, then I think you'll get luxury tax support. But at the same time, like this isn't like A Rod and Lori aren't like Steve Ballmer. Like they don't have stupid money. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like ten million dollars is like a lot. Ten million dollars yeah. to them, you know, and and that's going to be a whole interesting part of this to navigate too, because like they still got to put money together to buy the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're you know, not even like, they're not even real owners yet, so that's the that's the yeah. thing. It's so weird because I know the Chicago Bulls. Feels situ- like they are. Because I know yeah. the Chicago Bulls situation. It's like the Bulls have only operated above the luxury tax once since like yeah. the Reinsdorf bought the team in the early '80s, and like now they're starting to yeah. think like we kind of almost have to go above the luxury tax line to get another a cement another star on this team to push us above the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, you have. I mean, yeah. you have to. Otherwise, like that—that—that's like a, yeah, a, just a huge handicap for any team is—is is if you, your ownership won't pay for for the luxury tax. Now you're 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 playing with a different you're playing a different board game. Yeah. than The other teams are. You know, it's like you play Monopoly. I'm like, all right, you get an extra six five hundreds than we do. That's not fair. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so yeah, every like I I do think. I do think the Ryan Storks will pay for it, like this summer. I do think Arod and Lori will pay for it if and when they're at the Bulls level. Um, but again, like I, I'm very interested to see how the finances of all of this shake out because there's a lot of things outside of the luxury tax that they got to spend money on too. So it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's a whole fascinating side story going on here. You know, as we're all enjoying the basketball of this season, which. I'm glad that that's the main story. There's a lot of there's a lot else going on on, mm-hmm. on the side here too. Yeah, definitely, and that's why this year was so important too, right? I mean, this is yeah, what people sure. people labeled this as a make or break mm-hmm. year. If this doesn't work out, then like you said, we're preparing for Cats last season in Minnesota, or we're we're gonna yeah. go the Ant and Jaden McDaniel's route. Um, that you and right. you and Britt have talked about for the last however many months. So, I mean, it's just kind of a – it was a weird year coming – you know, like you label it, the weirdest team ever. So, I mean, that, that's been the whole mantra for the Wolves the last how many years, and that's why this year was so important. 
Yeah, I mean, it's been the least weird year in a while, right? <laughs> it really has. Um, it feels like normal. To, like, if you watch yeah. other NBA teams, you feel normal as the Wolves. It's weird. And Yeah, decent decent coach, good GM, all-star player, you know, fringe playoff team. Yeah, like the Wolves, the Wolves are a normal team. Mm-hmm. And uh, most normal team ever, I guess. Yeah, most <laughs> but, normal but team I, ever now. But the, the weirdness always lurks with it. It's, it's still there. It's still there. We'll we'll see how they're able to. I'm definitely just waiting. How they're able to overcome it. I'm definitely just waiting for another stupid situation to happen. Like, like, Cat said in his uh, media day press conference, that was a few days after the whole Rosas thing, and he's like, you know, I came in thinking, this has been really quiet. Nothing crazy has happened. (laughs) And now this happened, so I kind of expect the same BS all the time now. And it's been a while since. I'll just tell you, I do. Like, and I know I'm very different than Carl, but it's the same. You know, I'm I'm there, and and I've gotten that point over the course of years where I'm like, well, we'll we'll joke about it. Like, something dumb is about to happen because it's been three months without something dumb happening, and that's been the history with this team. Like that's what that's how it goes. You're mm-hmm. lucky if you get three months. Like yep, exactly. Um, and sometimes, sometimes the dumb stuff is like, oh, well, you know, trade for D'Angelo Russell, and then Cat immediately gets hurt or whatever, and you don't get to see that. But it, yeah, I don't know. Since I've been covering this team, it's been, it's literally been one thing after another, and this has been, yeah, this has been the most chill, the longest uh, stretch of stability. Yeah. Wait till you bring like yeah, Phil Jackson sure. in. As VP or something, <laughs> like Phil Jackson, Mac Johnson, your front office, and you have, then you have fun. I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out. But do you, so let's go back to that conversation about the POBO position. Do you think Chris Chris Finch could be that voice of reason for Mark Laurie, or do you think he's just the head coach? His job is to coach the players to to the owners. I I think um, I think Finch is with Lori and those guys, but I think they kind of operate in different spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Finch is going to have to, like, if he starts hearing whispers about what they're going to do in terms of next president of basketball operations, you know, I think he should probably try and get in there to influence it in some way. If it's not going to be Sasha. Um, but at the same time, you're the coach. They're your bosses, too. Mm-hmm. It's like everyone knows you're smarter than they are, but they got the money, you know? Yeah. Like, there's nothing. You, you just nod along. Like, nobody actually runs a team other than the person who's paying for the team. Yeah. That's how, that's how it works. Exactly. And that's how things go wrong is mm-hmm. because, like, people, I don't think people even, like, really understand that, like, when it's the trade deadline, like Glenn Taylor is on the phone and is like there. Like he's he green lights and red lights things. Like that shit happens. Mm-hmm. Every <laughs> team, you know? And, and ownership is huge. Ownership is huge. Like that's why I I would love as somebody who would like to see the Timberwolves do better rather than catch on fire. Um I would love if if this ownership group did some 
research and realize that the traditional pattern is every new owner who ever buys a team fucks it up in the first five years by getting their fingers all in areas that they shouldn't have been. That would be so cool. I would respect any owner who did that right now but said, hey, you know what? I'm still learning this whole thing right now. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit by, I'm gonna trust my GM, I'm gonna trust like these people. You go do your thing, give me five years, I'll learn what the collective bargaining agreement is. I'll you know, I'll I'll learn a little bit about the bat the business of basketball. And then in five years, like, yeah, I'm gonna come in here, I'm gonna voice to my team. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be a really cool and admirable thing for an owner to do. It never happens though. Well, and like with that it's like so I'm, I'm, what happens normally yeah and like what does the owner really care at that point because you're still going to be mm-hmm. making money yeah it, money's the top dog or or maybe they care about the money so maybe exactly. they don't pay the luxury tax or those sort of things like, exactly they, maybe they don't really care whether they're making winning decisions or not they just want to make mm-hmm. more money and you know, yeah. I, I don't know whether Mark Laurie or A Rod really well, care about the clear, That's not what I'm saying. I'm not like, I'm not saying I know what Mark Laurie and Alex yeah. Rodriguez are going to do. What I'm saying is we don't know what they're going to do and how they're going to operate and behave. And my whole point is, whatever behavior they choose to do, whether it be positive or negative, that is going to happen because you're plugging that into the whole organization. You're plugging in good vibes or bad vibes. And that—that's why I think it's the biggest story with this team. Because if they mess this up, the team moves. Like, mm-hmm. I know that's the stakes. I know with like owners that really don't know a lot about what sport they're doing, they usually put a lot of trust in people to make the decision, and then they just kind of carry that out. Like, whoever they choose to console with to figure out what they're going to do with this team is like the biggest thing that happens. Like if if yes, they if, if they pick the wrong guy to choose the direction of the team because they don't know what basketball operations looks like, then you're screwed for the next five years. Like more, more, if, more, if more, you don't more. know what you're doing with basketball and you own a team and you choose a close buddy and you trust everything they say and they tell you all the wrong things, where are you at in the next five years? Mm-hmm. Like, like that's what happens with the Reinsdorf. So like they trusted Gar Foreman and John Paxson for 15 years to run the team. They were terrible at it, but they were buddies. Yeah. Oh, we we know you. We're gonna trust you guys to do it. So like, you gotta make, you gotta choose your consoles right, or it's not gonna work out. Uh, this is actually why the Bulls thing is actually really, actually really relevant here. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, the one person we know who is a, the counselor for Lori and A Rod is this Marquise Watts guy that they hired to be the chief experience officer, which. Um, that doesn't sound like a part of role that is going to have any sort of basketball operations influence, but it will. Yeah. I mean, he's in that room. I don't know, like, is it going to be like Garpacks level influence oh, that Marquise is going to have? I, I don't know, but it's one of whoever the counselor is who is influencing these guys is a huge character, and Marquise right now is is currently. Yeah, it's a factor. The, the main guy. Yeah. It's a factor. Big factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, as the Wolves go, um, like you said, it's great that this season is, is uh, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's great where they're at um, basketball-wise. And, you know, the product of it is great. But there, mm-hmm. it's, 
a lot could happen this summer. Very nerve-wracking. Yeah, it's, Very it is. It's tense. It, I mean, yeah. once the season that's, ends... That's the part of, like, that's what growth is. That's what for all these mm-hmm. teams, you know? It's like, I don't know. Like, it's really hard. It's really I went hard through, to build in, in the league. I went through the like, same Think about fear. Atlanta this year. Like, you know, they get... They exceed expectations last year, and now those exceeded expectations become the expectation. Mm-hmm. And... I don't know what's going to happen there this summer. They're not going to, I mean, they're not going to have a, had a good year. And then, you know, so it's not just, my point is, is it's not just a Wolves thing. Like, no, it things happens go sideways with all, all these teams, all these times, even teams that look like they're moving in the right direction. Maybe the Hawks have to blow it up and go in a new direction now or read, you know, just those sort of things. Like, it's really hard to be good. It's really, really hard to be good in the league. Mm-hmm. And, um, it helps if you have competent people in every every one of the roles. And you get some Owner, luck. Owner, president, on down. And you get what? And you get some luck involved. Yeah. Because nothing's yep, ever guaranteed. Sure. So for sure. No, I'd be big. So we're kind of getting towards the end of this here. Um, one of the guys who's on this show usually, um, Braden Powers, he, he and uh, Richard, he's also on the show. They're at a track meet down in Kansas City right now. And Braden's a mm-hmm. massive Miami Heat fan. Like, insane. And he, we went to a game earlier this year, the Miami Heat and Wolves game. Sure. And he wore his Jimmy Butler jersey, and he got oh, no. torn to shreds while at the game and everything. It was great as a Wolves fan watching it. But he wanted one question from him was, what do you think of the Miami Heat just as a whole? I love watching them defend, man. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like the Heat defend every possession, like what the Wolves – did at the beginning of the year occasionally you know um I, I think that team is 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 super disciplined um which i think goes a long way when you also have like a bunch of dogs like they do um like yeah i i it's hard to like i don't know if this is what he's asking exactly but you you look put miami up against milwaukee you know, or a or a Brooklyn or a Philadelphia, and I think they're at a talent deficit. But I think I, what I would imagine is so fun about being a Heat fan would be that like it might not matter. You know, that like you kind of are like, yeah, we want you to be more talented than us. And I, I like the I like the, the swagger of that team. I like the you know the swagger of Jimmy. I know Timberwolves fans don't, but um, but yeah, I, I always find that theme to be like they, they remind me more of the, like the teams when I was a kid growing up you know like 90s early 2000s like New York Knicks sort of mm-hmm. vibe to them like I don't know there's something like there's something cool about being that team that's like I don't know getting it out of the mud they don't quite feel like yeah 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 they don't quite feel like they got the respect so I- what was Braden? Braden, that was his name? Yep, Braden. How do, how, do, how do you become a Miami Heat fan? He was a LeBron fan? And <laughs> I think that's exactly him. what it was. When he was a kid, he was a LeBron yeah. fan, and then, you know, LeBron yeah, went to the go. Heat, and he's he's been a Heat fan ever since, so I get that, and I kind of respect hey, that. I respect but... it if you're, you're following it. You're following yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, it's not like he's a Lakers fan now. I mean, he's still, like, I mean, we're, me and him are thinking of going to the Lakers-Wolves game uh, in two weeks. And then actually, as a whole group, we're going to the Phoenix Suns game too. So I think it's important to note with the Heat, we're just talking about who consoles teams and who calls shots. 
So I think it's important. You bring up the '90s Knicks. Who runs the Heat? Pat Riley. Like, Pat, like, like that's how important that stuff is. Pat mm-hmm. Riley consoles that whole team, and he taught Eric Spolstra everything he knows about defense and how to play that. Right, like Spo and Pat Riley working together to put the roster together because they both have the same vision for the yeah for the roster. You know, like they're a mind meld in ways, or if they disagree, like they know each other. Yeah. I, you're absolutely right. It's, they... And I think that's the wolf, the direction the Wolves need to go is they need a guy who, who you already have Chris Finch. You they need a guy done. that is going to think the same way as him and they want to accomplish the same things, have the same vision. Well, I'm just telling you, you already have that. You literally already Exactly. Have that. That's why I think that he's <laughs> got to come in and say, listen, Sachin is doing everything that we are asking him to. And... He's produced and a. The only thing Sasha isn't asking them to do is to be a boisterous personality. Exactly. And and Sasha isn't that, and he won't be that. Mm-hmm. And so so maybe like you just said, Finch is going and telling him Sasha is doing every single thing you want him to do. Well, he, if one of the things you want him to do is to be a, a public figurehead like Rosas was, and like I mean, Rosas couldn't turned down a radio interview to save his life you know like mm-hmm. he just wanted more more me 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 you know like Sasha's the exact opposite way but if Laurie and A-Rod want that type of guy then you know go ahead I guess yeah. like um, mm-hmm. but but yeah I it's just I think you already have what you need in stock right now I do too and I I, I think they should Big picture wise, treat it as this year's trade deadline. Just keep stand back. Yep, keep yeah. going. Keep letting this right. thing roll. And if we start to see something shake up and it looks pretty iffy, then make your move. But like you said, it'd just be great if they just shut their mouths for the next four or five years. And you know what people also should know is that Sashin is super plugged in. So you know what? Maybe his name won't splash at the. At, at the table, but you know who he's best friends with? Sam Hankey. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? He knows all these people, like all the smart dudes who are running the other teams or are really important on the backside of the other teams. Those are Sasha's boys. Like he can bring them together or he could just work with them for trades. Like you already have it. You don't need to go get some Charles Barkley to run your team. Like it's, a, <laughs> it's literally going to exactly. be a bad idea. He already has connections. Yeah, he already has connections around the league, and it just it makes sense the, the, to the keep the front office. The front office he would put together if they let him put it together and they give him a budget. He will like other it, of the people who really care, like the other GMs around the league, they'll be like, "Damn, that's a really impressive group that Sasha put together." Exactly. And so maybe he himself isn't like this poster boy, Pat Riley sort of thing, but I think, I don't know, it's just, I'm, I'm preparing myself for something dumb to happen. <laughs> I tell you what, what, next I, next game that A-Rod goes to, you walk over to his nice courtside seat and you tell him exactly what you're thinking, <laughs> because that's exactly what Wolves fans want, man. They don't want a Magic Johnson running this team. They want someone who... I've said it, I've told them, I've told them. Okay, good, because <laughs> that, that's yeah. what they need to know, and if they want to be liked around uh, Minneapolis and Minnesota... They have to. They they just have to, like you said, shut your mouth for five years, and let the basketball minds work. 
and then you can start um, doing some stuff yeah. monetarily. But uh, mm-hmm. well, I think that basically wraps up. Do you have any more questions no. at all? Um, thank thank you for joining us. It, yeah. I mean, that was it was yeah, great. No that problem. it was great, and hopefully, uh, you know, maybe sometime after the season, the off season, uh, we um, talk again about how well if a major blow up happens oh, in this in this organization. No, no, I'm not, I'm not anticipating <laughs> a major blow. I mean, there's, there's multiple different things going on, like. I do, well, I do think things are going to go wrong, and like five years from now, there's just enough things there where like, with the stadium, and there's there's enough question marks out there that I think they probably lead to some problems, like five years down the line right now, battling for a stadium in some sort of capacity. But I do think, just because I have to think about that for my own life, like, mm-hmm. I think that's coming, but I'm also like, I don't really care that that's coming because I'm just going to enjoy this time right now. Like exactly. this has been the best Wolves season from from a me from my job standpoint of enjoy being enjoyable. The fan base seeming to like authentically enjoy the product and grow over the course of the year. Like it, it's and Britt loves it. This is Britt's favorite team. He said, yeah, and, yeah, and as yeah, long man, as Britt's happy. If Brits happy, yeah. Wolves fans are happy. So uh, exactly, exactly. Um, spirits are high. Spirits exactly. Are high. Um, so again, if you want to listen in uh, more details about the Wolves, and Dane does a, a post game podcast every single day. It's posted the next day um, after that game. Are you gonna do one for this OKC game? I know it's a back to back, and you said that back to backs are kind of yeah. I am. I kind of switch. I, I kind of wanted to not do yeah. it after every game of the back-to-backs, like at the beginning of the year. But now it's just like every game feels pretty valuable. Yep. So I've been doing. I've been doing every game for the past couple months now. So I'm gonna keep doing that through through the rest of the season. And gotcha. Then, yeah. And he he also records with Britt weekly after uh, Britt mm-hmm. writes a piece. So um, th- again, thanks, Dane. This was great. Um, and like I said, hopefully yep. in the future we can uh, do this again and, you know, go Wolves, I guess. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, thank you for having me and uh, appreciate both you and everyone for, you know, digging into the podcast and, and listening and, you know, I, having it, I guess, shape our conversation today. So I appreciate you guys and I just always down to talk basketball. So That's let me know right. if you want to do it again in the future. Definitely. All right, this was episode seven of the Double Technical Podcast. Uh, We'll be recording next Friday. Um, We don't exactly know what that episode will be like, but um, it's always a pretty crazy time. Thank you guys for listening.